Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellow Helpers Ministries, bringing you another podcast from the Pastor's Study, Biblical Lessons in the Battlefield of Life from a retired pastor of 45 years who was saved after serving as a Staff Sergeant Airborne Ranger in Vietnam. My testimony is shared in podcast number one. It is my desire to share with you lessons the Lord has taught me over many years of living as a Christian and serving as a pastor. These podcasts are intended to whet your appetite for further personal Bible study. They'll be short, 20 to 30 minutes, and having your Bible and something to jot down notes might be helpful. If you have any questions, you can contact me by email, masitofhm at gmail.com. That's M-A-S-I-T-T-O-F-H-M for Fellow Helpers Ministries at gmail.com. Today we're going to explore a familiar passage of scripture for the Christian, Isaiah chapter 53. But let's approach the study, however, like it was originally written in 712 BC. We are reading through Isaiah and we come to this chapter. The use of pronouns in this chapter clearly leads to ask the question, who is this? Note that while I read in all the pronouns and answering the question, who is this? Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath nor form, nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded, verse 5, for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. And he made his grave, verse 9, with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet, verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many." for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, verse 12, will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, thank you for this passage of scripture that's before us. And as we study it, we just ask that you would give us wisdom to understand it and wisdom to apply it in a way that would be a benefit to our spiritual lives today. 
In Jesus' name, amen. The title of today's lesson is, Who is this solving a cold case? Who is this solving a cold case? When we take a look at this passage of scripture, I think about a conversation my wife and I frequently have. We have the tendency to use pronouns. Uh, a pronoun is a word that takes the place of a noun of someone mentioned elsewhere in a discourse. And oftentimes we'll use pronouns when we're talking to each other and we'll really not know who we're talking about. Uh, for example, I had a call today and he said, my wife will say, who said? Uh, well, my wife may say, she came over this afternoon. I'll say, who, she, that came over. Uh, you probably have that occasionally in your conversations too. Well, in Isaiah 53, we have it over and over and over again, because in these 12 verses, we actually have some 62 pronouns. We have the word he 23 times, him 11, his 13 for a total of 47. We have we eight, our six, us one for a total of 15. And we have 62 or so pronouns in these verses, which means we're averaging five pronouns per verse. That's a lot, isn't it? And as one reads through the Old Testament and comes to Isaiah chapter 53, the natural reaction would be to stop and say, who is this? Now, before we give you an outline to the chapter, let's ask this question. Why did the Lord inspire Isaiah to write in this way? Why use so many pronouns in so few verses? Well, I believe there are three quick reasons we can look at. Number one, when you read this chapter and see all the pronouns, you can't help but think there is someone very special here. Who is this person? They're special. Number two, our curiosity is roused. Who is this person? I want to find out who did all these things. And number three, our attention is drawn, and this I believe is the most important of the three, our attention is drawn to what he did even more than who he was what he did even more than who he was. And so when we take a look at this, we're actually looking at this passage of scripture, capturing our attention with all these different pronouns, asking ourselves the question, who is this? Now, the approach I'd like to take in our study today is like solving a cold case. We enjoy mysteries. I don't know about you, but we enjoy mysteries and we enjoy trying to figure out who did it and uh, who was involved where and who involved with what. And a lot of times there'll be a cold case where there'll be something that took place and they never really solved the mystery. But then eventually, years later, something pops up that triggers that cold case and they're able to solve it. I believe as we're looking at Isaiah 53 today, we can consider this chapter like a cold case and as we move along in time and get into the New Testament, we're going to see actually who this is. We're going to get a definitive answer as to who it is. But at this point in BC 712, all we see are these 62 pronouns in these 12 verses. And what it is, it's a report. If we were doing a crime investigation, we might open up a box and pull out a sheet of paper and start reading it, and it would give us the cold case, give us the facts of the case. You'll notice in verse 53, it says, who hath believed our report? So we're looking now at the report. It's going to be from verse 2 all the way down to verse 12. And we're going to see two things. We're going to see, number one, this. We are looking for a man who is clearly described as a victim, 
but we're also going to see we are looking for a man who is clearly described as a victor. As we take a look at this cold case and we read through this report, we read first of all in verses 2 through 9 about this person being a victim. And let's take a look at the victim and the description that we have in our report. First of all, you notice this. We are looking at a simple man. Verse 2, a simple man. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. When we, we notice there are no distinguishing physical characteristics about this victim. When we look at his background, it is very simple, tender plant, root out of dry ground. When we look at his beauty, it's very simple. There's no form, no comeliness, no beauty, nothing to attract attention. In fact, this victim would not stand out in a crowd. Number two, we see not only is he a simple man, but he is a sorrowful man. As we read our report in verses three and four, we see he reflects a hurting heart. Now, how does he reflect a hurting heart? Well, first of all, verse three, note the description. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, hid faces from him, despised and esteemed not. You know, this would be a person, for example, if you were picking someone for a ball team, he would probably be the last person you pick. Or picking someone to play a game, probably be the last person you pick. He has no distinguishing physical characteristics, and he's just a sorrowful person. He, he reflects a hurting heart. But when we see the description of the hurting heart in verse 3 and say, boy, this, this does not seem to be a, a, this is a sorrowful person, not a very happy person, you'll notice an explanation for why he feels that way in verse 4. For verse 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He wasn't hurting because of something he had done. He was hurting because of something others had done. Born our grief and then carried our sorrows. This man's heart was hurting for others. So we see, number one, he is a simple man. We look at our description. He is a sorrowful man. Thirdly, we are looking at a suffering man. Look at verses five and six. He reflects a hurting body. Verse five says he was wounded. It says also in verse five, he was bruised. It says also in verse five, chastisement was laid upon him. And then by his stripes, we are healed. Uh, he took a real beating, folks. When you look at each one of those words and consider what they reflect, he took a real beating. And the question mark here would become, well, we know how he suffered. He took this beating in verse six, or verse five, rather. But why did he suffer? Well, the answer for that is given in verse six. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yes, we are looking at a suffering man. He is reflected in a hurting body. How did he suffer? Well, he took quite a beating, verse 5. Why did he suffer? He did it because the Lord laid it upon him. It wasn't something that he did himself to deserve that beating. 
It was something the Lord laid on him on our behalf that he took that beating. See that in verse six again? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way and listen carefully. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. We want to take a look number four in our description of this victim. And we want to see in verse seven this. We are looking at a silent man, a silent man. Verse seven says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. This silent man, he held his tongue, open not his mouth, is dumb, open not his mouth. You know, the last words of a victim are very important, or the last words of a dying man are very important. And often they can be a clue as to who did this to them or why this happened to them. But you'll notice here, this silent man held his tongue. No complaining, no accusations, no crying out. And you'll notice also then, in our next point, we are looking at a stricken man, verses 8 and 9. And when we take a look at a stricken man, we see this. What came upon him, came so came on him like a plague. That's what this word is interpreted. It's, it's like a plague. The word stricken means to touch, come upon, or strike. And the word plague means there's no escape, no letting up, just no way out. And when you look at this stricken man in verses 8 and 9, you'll see this. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? He was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit found in his mouth. When we take a look at this stricken man and see how this came upon him like a plague, we recognize he was an innocent man, though. And you say, well, where do you see the concept of an innocent man? It's the end of verse 9. It says, yet as an innocent man, he, in verse 9, had done no violence. If I could parallel that, I would say he, he committed no blue-collar crime. Uh, he did not murder anyone. He did not assault anyone. He did not rob anyone. Um, and then also you'll notice that he was not guilty of any white-collar crime. That's the end of verse 9 where it says, neither was any deceit in his mouth. The idea of deceit in his mouth is the idea there, there was no lying, there was no, uh, there was no forgery, there was no tax evasion, there was no fraud. So we're finding in our passage of Scripture, verses 2 through 9, and I know we went through those quickly, you might want to go back and pause it along the way and consider them individually, but as we look at our passage of Scripture this, this, this afternoon, and we're taking a look at this description of this victim, we're pulling up this Isaiah chapter 53 passage, a, a cold case, so to say, for us from, from many years in the past with these 62 pronouns referring to somebody that we're asking, well, who is this? Well, let's take a look as we look at the report in verse 1. We see a description in verses 2 through 9, and clearly this man was a victim. This man was a simple man, no distinguishing physical characteristics, verse 2. This man was a sorrowful man. 
He reflected a hurting heart in verses 3 and 4. This man was a suffering man. He reflects a hurting body in verses 5 and 6. This man is a silent man. He held his tongue in verse 7. And this man is a stricken man, verses 8 and 9. What came upon him did so as a plague. It just overwhelmed him, and he was innocent. Yet we see in our detective work, as we read through the detailed report of this cold case, we see this man clearly a victim. We see what he suffered, and we ask the question, who is he? Now, our report doesn't end there. Thankfully, it doesn't. Because we take a look now at a second part of this passage, and it's really quite dramatic. When you take a look at it, it hinges on the word verse 10, yet. And it says not only yet in verse 10, but it says, yet it pleased the Lord. So there's something now that's going to take place that's going to make a change. And the idea of it is this, number two. We are looking for a man that is clearly described as a victor. This victim in verses 2 through 9, yet verses 10 through 12, ends up being a victor, a person who defeats an enemy or opponent in battle, game, or other competition. Now, what do we see in regard to him being a victor, the battle being won? Well, you'll notice, first of all, in verse 10, this man as a victor is a living man. Listen to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. That's talking about living folks. That's a description of seeing his descendants down through the years. He shall see his seed. Also, again, the idea of a living man in verse 10, he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So you see the idea of a living man, he shall see his seed. You also see in that verse the idea of a loving father or a loving man. That's the idea of prolonging his days. Uh, the idea of being able to see the, the, the future and be involved in the future. And as a father loves his children and looks for prolonged days to watch them grow and develop, he's going to have that privilege to see that. You'll also see a laboring man, verse 10, for it says, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now, wait a minute. If he's a victim and he's dead, verses 2 through 9, how is he in the situation where he's a living man and he's a loving man like a father and he's then a laboring man uh, whose pleasure is um, uh, the Lord shall prosper in his hand? You'll, you'll also notice in verse 11, he's a satisfied man. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many? For he shall bear their iniquity. A satisfied man, he shall be satisfied, it says. You'll also notice it says lastly in verse 12, he is clearly a victorious man. And the victorious, it says verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. Now, the idea of dividing a portion with the great is the idea that you're getting spoil. And he says that in the next phrase. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. He is won. He is a victor. It is now all his. 
and he can do with it as he pleases, because he hath poured out his soul into death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. We see a totally different picture in our report, verse 1, from the victim of verses 2 through 9 to the victor of verses 10 through 12. And the question mark would be, how can such a change come about? Well, I believe we go back to verse 1 of chapter 53, and we'll answer that question. And the verse 1 says this, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? This person, who we don't know the name of yet, we're still in B.C. 712, with 62 pronouns, referring to this person as well as those who he's, he's suffering for and working for, this person has experienced the arm of the Lord and has been revealed in the fact that this victim has become a victor. Well, at this point, we're going to have to just kind of close the folder, the report, and we just kind of have to wait and see if there's going to be something down the road that's going to help us understand uh, this cold case of Isaiah 53. And the first thing we see are the Gospels of Jesus Christ. And we don't have time, obviously, to go through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. But as you go through them, you'll see the Lord, the, the Lord Jesus Christ in, in so many ways here, uh, describing exactly what we find in the pronouns of Isaiah 53. And I think we can summarize it in one verse, and that is in Matthew chapter 20, and verse 28. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. This is kind of a clue here. Listen to what it says. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, here's our clue, and give his life a ransom for many. Now, wait a minute. Didn't we, didn't we have a cold case many, many years back? I think I read it in a report, something about giving his life a ransom for many. Yes, it's back in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 11 and 12. He shall see the travail of his soul, shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, it says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Yes, the summary of the life of this, this Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels is given in verse 28, to give his life a ransom for many. But wait a minute. A little bit more time goes by. That's kind of a clue to us. We see the pronouns. Who is this? We come to the Gospels. We see a man giving his life as a ransom for many. But now we come to Acts chapter 8, verses 30 through 35. And we finally get a definitive answer as to who this is. In Acts chapter 8, verse 30, the Ethiopian eunuch who had been up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord was coming back in his chariot. Philip, an evangelist, was sent by God to meet this Ethiopian eunuch uh, in his chariot. And as he does so, they get into a conversation. Listen to chapter 8 of Acts, verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read 
the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now listen carefully, verse 32. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. That's Isaiah 53, isn't it? That's verse 6 of Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And also the idea about his silence that we noted back there. And, and so we see that God in his providence took Philip to this Ethiopian eunuch reading his scripture and reading Isaiah 53 and in essence asking, who is this? I, I can't understand who this is except someone explained to me. And that, what does Philip do? Philip does this. Look at verse 33. And in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of another man? And now there's no more clues. Now there is a definitive answer. Verse 35 then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Yes, who is this? 712 BC, Isaiah 53. This is Jesus, Acts 8, Acts, excuse me, Acts chapter 8, AD 34. The very one who came, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and lived his life, and gave his life in the cross of Calvary, was buried, and rose again. This is the very one he preached unto him, Jesus. Now, why is that so important? Well, it's very important because when you go back just a few chapters in your Bible, you'll come to chapter 4 of the book of Acts and verse 12, and here's what we read. Neither is there salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that name is the name of Jesus. Verse 36 of Acts 8 says this, And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and he went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, listen carefully, rejoicing, rejoicing. This Ethiopian eunuch, now you have to read chapter 8 on your own to get the whole drift of this, but this Ethiopian eunuch went all the way up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. He's coming back in his chariot reading the Bible, still not having the definitive answers that he needed. He's in Isaiah 53 and sees all these pronouns, he, 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 and all that he what did. And he looks and says, well, this man was a victim, but yet he became a victor. And I, I don't know exactly who this is. Philip turns up. Understand it's not what thou readest. How can I accept some man tell me? Philip gets on the chariot. They're reading Isaiah 53. And he 
preaches unto him Jesus. And the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And salvation was the eunuchs that day. Do you, do you know what happened when that eunuch got saved? That eunuch who had been a victim, a sinner on his way to hell, became a victor, a Christian on his way to heaven. That eunuch who was a child of the devil before his salvation now becomes a child of the king after his salvation. Just like we see the change in chapter Isaiah 53, yet we see the change in people's lives today. No matter how wicked a person is, no matter how sinful a person is, if they will come to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, their life will change. In fact, Corinthians says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. And that change takes place because you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, the victim who became the victor, and you by faith are the victim that becomes the victor in Christ. You know, a number of years ago, I was ministering in Marysville, Ohio, and I would teach at a Bible Institute down in Columbus. And when I did, I would slip over to the University Hospital and visit patients from Marysville. And I remember one day going and visiting the hospital, and there was a lady who was a nurse. Uh, she was the, actually the head emergency nurse in the Marysville Hospital. And here she was in the Columbus Hospital, and she was going through cancer treatment. Her name was Carol. And I walked into Carol's room, and when I walked into her room, I noticed she had her Bible on her lap, and she was actually turning through the pages of her Bible. And I looked at her and I said, Carol, I'm a pastor from Marysville. I heard you were here. I thought I'd drop in today and visit with you. And she said, oh, I'm so glad you did. And I said, Carol, can I ask you a question? Do you understand what you're reading? And she said, how can I except some man tell me? I, I don't understand what I'm reading. Those weren't her exact words, but the idea was she said, I don't understand. I need someone to help me. And I took her through the scripture and shared with her Jesus Christ and she received Christ as her Savior that day. There's a whole lot more to that story I could tell you, but, but the basic thing I want to get across with that story is this. There are many people today who are reading not only Isaiah 53, but there are many people today who are reading their Bibles, and they're asking themselves the question, who, who is this? And, and they don't understand except some man should guide me. And we who are Christians and know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior have that privilege to guide people in the Word of God, to teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ so that they as victims can become victors through Christ. You know, there's a passage of scripture that is such a blessing to us it's in uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. We'll close with that passage today. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and again, you might want to look at the other verses around it. But in verse 57, it says this, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We solved the cold case today. B.C. 712. Who is this? We're looking at the report. There's all these pronouns. And there's something here that the Lord did. To whom is the Lord, arm of the Lord revealed? Boy, there's a good clue in the Gospels. 
This one came to give his life for ransom for many. And now we see clearly in Acts, this is none other than our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We have the opportunity of sharing with people who are victims, lost, on their way to hell, not knowing Christ, to come to understand through the word of God who Jesus Christ is, and most importantly, by the pronouns, remember, what he did, what he did, and recognizing that as the victim, he became the victor, and we through him can experience the same. If you have any questions about salvation, please feel free to email me. My address again is masitofhm at gmail.com. That's M-A-S-I-T-T-O-F-H-M at gmail.com. Now, this has been from the Pastor Study with Pastor Marty Macedo, and Lord willing, we'll post another episode next week. But remember, Isaiah 53 emphasizes what Jesus Christ has done for us as the victim became the victor. Have you, as a victim, become the victor by receiving Christ as your Savior? That's the question for the day, and I certainly hope you can answer it with a resounding yes. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.